So as someone who sits with both, sits as a mother and sits under the medicine, serving medicine, hosting medicine space, like the two needs are similar. Tending to my toddler is like tending to a person in a deep journey. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Explains a lot about their behavior. Did the babies so true. Just, the babies are just tripping. So <laughs> and the people who are tripping are just babies. Welcome to the Wash Your Mouth Out Podcast. Power, pleasure, and parenting. We are stigma smashing feminist parents creating a new narrative. Put in your earbuds. This is for you only. This is the place to be entertained empowered, inspired, and feel seen while you're raising small humans. We are your hosts, Morea Malat and Madison Young. Wash your mouth out! Today on Wash Your Mouth Out, we have Michaela Delamico. And Michaela um, is just an incredible um, creator of juicy um, Instagram and TikTok, um, beautiful inspiration and education um, on so many things. But I think we're probably just going to let her talk about what she does herself. Um, but the the way that we came to Michaela is because I – we were, Madison and I were kind of brainstorming, like, who do we want to have on? This was actually way before we had our little hiatus. And I was saying, yeah, I'd really like to, we had talked about some things that were, you know, kind of challenging topics. And I thought, I really, I wish I knew someone to talk about magic mushrooms and parenting. And I've never heard anyone talk about those two things together before. And I said, I don't know if there is that person. And Madison said, wait, I saw this person on Instagram. And then, so we both kind of been following you. So tell us about you and what you do. Thank you for that. Um, it's, I'm glad you caught me because I've been pulling a little bit away from as much presence on on. IG, we moved recently to a three-acre property that needs a lot of attending to, and um, it's been nice not spending as much time on my phone, especially with a toddler. Um, but my name is Michaela Delamico. Um, that's a pseudo name that I use. It means Michaela of the Mushroom. My platform is Mama Delamico, so Mother of the Mushroom. So I think that's really it, right? Is mothers connecting with information education around not just the righteous relationship that we have with these medicines in a consumption relationship, but also in a cultivating relationship, in a stewardship relationship, and in a leadership role within the psychedelic community. And this is a role and a responsibility that mothers and matriarchs have low-key held since the dawn of time. And it's interesting because mushrooms have been largely marketed back to us in this moms who microdose kind of way. And I think it very much is in alignment with like a pharmaceutical model that like wants to market to women and moms in the home and use the mother as kind of a a marketing ploy um, for normalizing um, psilocybin use across, you know, different groups. However, to be pigeonholed in this microdosing mom category, um, it just shows a lack of understanding for the historics and the anthropological implication of Mothers that have been facilitating giant social change with the help of entheogens. So my platform and like my overall sense of things, and it absolutely includes reproductive care and womb wisdom. Um, I call the mushrooms these days mushrooms. 
um, because they have also like a parallel nature with the mystic nature of our own body. And there are a lot of parallels between how mushrooms function in the world, in the soil, and how mothers function in the world within community. And so regardless, um, all of the moms that are worth, you know, their salt in the space of psychedelics, like they are cultivators, they are facilitators, they are educators. I mean, there is such a rich body of folks that work with psychedelics and have kids. I mean, that's just a, the bulk of the people I even function with these days are people who have children and are, are also these these folks that are deeply rooted in the transformation of human consciousness. And I really just feel like if we're going to use stoned ape hypothesis, you know, 30,000 years ago, these like pre-human animals ate the mushroom by accident and over the course of a couple thousand years evolved into the modern homo sapien today. If you write women and birthing people out of that equation, it falls, it, it, it falls out from the bottom. You can't have evolution without birth. And so really it's just to help people remember like, we're more than just consumers. We literally created the species with the help of mushrooms. And this next big leap in evolution is going to have everything to do with people who give birth, eating mushrooms and growing children with mushrooms in their system and breastfeeding and then parenting with mushrooms as allies. And honestly, all of the other earth medicines too, like ayahuasca and tobacco yeah. and cannabis. So that's a big speech, but <laughs> That's basically the thesis of my work is that we're more than just consumers, that we are creators in the yeah. space. We've always been in allyship and parenting while with plant medicine and earth medicine is is nothing to be demonized. I I love what you're saying about like the sort of commodification mm -hmm. of mushrooms, but also the using of mothers and motherhood and how kind of uh, chaste and, and sacred in a way that feels to people and kind of using using motherhood and oh these mothers do it as a way to kind of say oh it's fine for everybody you know because these people do it and they're kind of you know the the most good um, that's, and that's it's a, a specific kind of mother that they are. It's a very yeah this. specific kind and a specific kind of of good and and it's you know of course re reminiscent of what has happened with cannabis mm -hmm. you know the same which is like you know oh we're starting to go oh maybe you can have cannabis in pregnancy maybe and that would be it's like as long as it's okay for the good mothers then it might be okay for society. And that's just, just kind of a mind-blowing concept that, that we're thought of. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the whole concept also of just uh, of using the mushroom mm -hmm. versus being, having, again, I mean, I think with any kind of earth medicine, I mean, I don't consume but I talk to the trees. Mm -hmm. I talk to the roses. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't always need to digest or consume to like mm -hmm. sit with, feel the vibration, listen to the messages that they are giving me. And mushrooms have so many messages, right? So if we can work in symbiosis with, with mushrooms, like how are we working with mushrooms or uh, with with cannabis or with the earth because we are the earth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just returning back to those those messages instead of us being separate and how can yeah, we commodify and consume and sell and digest, you know, without having relationship to. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder the folks who might be in promotion of a kind of sales culture of microdosing that 
from I have experienced mushrooms in multiple um, ways and realms, and it just seems to me that folks who would kind of commodify them in that way haven't ex- really experienced mm. that communication mm-hmm. um, because it's it's just such a, a very it's like that energy is such a very different energy from throw it in a pill and go buy it right. from your doctor you yes know? yeah I, I know that this microdosing model I think is actually ripe it's super ripe for um, like a pharmaceuticalization of the whole mushroom and the intelligence of the mushroom because not only is there a wild disconnection from the whole mechanism, the whole spirit, the whole, you know, environment of the mushroom itself into this like tiny tic-tac, but also the regiments of which is often prescribed by someone who say a microdosing coach, for example, um, it's, you know, a recommendation to do them every other day for X amount of time. And that is a financial security for a microdosing company, for example. If I can Mm. push a three-month regimen on someone and charging them $150 every month, we're looking at a $500 protocol for which the actual mushroom itself was practically... I mean, the amount that $150 would give you if you just did that for yourself would give you over a year's amount of of capsules. So it's like, you know, just um, there's money to be made at every point. And microdosing companies are definitely like showing up. And there's like, I have a lot of criticism for that because my desire is to bring people into better relationship with the mushroom Mm. themselves and there are layers not everyone's meant to be a cultivator but that gives and as you were saying madison like a whole different kind of relationship where it's not a consumptive relationship but it's a nurturing relationship and when we say oh i serve the mushroom it's like does service mean you give the mushroom to people or you literally serve the life of the mushroom, you know, and whether that's Mm -hmm. in its physical body or in its spiritual presence through its teachings and its original instructions. So, you know, to serve happens in more directions than just to the consumer. We also are here to serve the aim of the mycelial web because it has an intelligence far beyond where we are and the symbiosis that we can create with an entity as powerful as the mycelial web that is billions of years old, it, it will serve us in the long run and also help, help bridge the gap with what is the point of humans on the planet? Because there is a point to us being here. There is a reason and there is a good we're not a, a menace to the land we yeah. are like efficiency makers on the land like we're actually here to serve the land and be in relationship with the land and this disconnection in self-servitude like i'm gonna eat this mu- this mushroom so that my life can be better because i'm like super depressed and i like all this shit has happened to me in my life so i want to eat the mushroom so that i can feel better and that's a yeah. noble aim but I think we're missing the larger picture. It's we're here to serve the mushroom and eat the mushroom and be in the spirit of the mushroom because we're here to make a, to be a better participant in the whole world, in the whole community, which is why I love the technology of motherhood, which is why yeah. I think motherhood and birth can be such a magical principle is because there is this like large initiation into a much wider web of a kind of consciousness which Mm -hmm. is everyone who's ever birthed ever, you are now part of this like underground network of people who've gone through this powerful initiation. And it opens up a certain level of like primal faculties within you. Same thing with the mushroom. Like when you've entered this full blown experience and know the mushroom, like you can't unknow it. And, (laughs) And yet same as in motherhood and same as in psychedelic integration, how do you water the garden? How do you every day like feed what you've learned? 
Mm-hmm. They are very parallel. So as someone who sits with both, sits as a mother and sits under the medicine, serving medicine, hosting medicine space, like the two needs are similar. Tending to my toddler is like tending to a person in a deep journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> explains a lot about their behavior. <laughs> Did the baby so true. Just, the babies are just tripping. So, <laughs> and the people who are tripping are just babies. Yeah. You know, yes. Um, <laughs> I will. I will leave it there. But you know, the the intersection of motherhood and mushroom keeping is is as old as time, and the models for which mushrooms exist as resource sharing, resource giving, networkers, um, and the ability to share information and data on this grassroots subterranean level is how I see a lot of mothers also operating. Like this platform that you've created is like a node of knowledge and information that gets woven and shared that now I get to tap into and then get to tap out of when the time is right. And so we are being mushrooms. Um, The more we sit with motherhood and the more we sit with the mushroom itself. So um, yeah, thank you for for being open to this kind of dialogue because it's not just about eating the mushroom. It's about like becoming like them and learning to be like them. That is going to be the most helpful for people. I love the idea of, you know, when I have partaken in, you know, whatever dose that I'm not like how you said, like just getting something out of it, taking something. But to me, it's more like, the way that some of us like go on a hike it's like i i've become disconnected i i need to connect again and i'm not using it for connection i'm just like showing up Mm. to say yes i'm here i want to be connected again Mm. Mm. and um and in our society it's just you know Sometimes that needs to happen over and over again because there's so much pulling us to be disconnected. Um, For me, I would say, you know, that's the only, uh, mushrooms are the only entheogen that I have ever um, Mm -hmm. partaken of, but it's just a completely, even, even as compared to like other plant medicines that I've experienced that are not entheogens, I just, there's this like, sacredness this motherness that um is is kind of hard to find in any other way but you're right when i compare it to like the interconnected network of mothering people um in my life it feels a lot like that 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 network and thank you for sharing about it's it's this world that even more and more the the spells of disconnection that mm-hmm. so many of us have been living in generation after generation you know is calling us back in a big way and i think that has everything yeah. to do with the timing of this psychedelic renaissance is that we are finally recognizing that we've been centuries in to programming and systems of of disconnection and oppression that the the whispers of these helpful mess like medicines it's it's extremely timely and especially in a world where we're getting rocked by new information day in and day out it's important to stay rooted and connected to like what's true what's the ongoing truth and i think mushrooms have this endearing truth about them that they can relate to you and that can be an anchor for how people move through the world like they change their autonomic nervous system responses sometimes and that's a powerful thing many people who have trauma are really stuck in a reaction um, even when there's no perceived threat all around them. So when you learn, as you're saying, that like softness, that that mother-like presence when you are with a, you know, even a low dose or a high dose of mushroom, 
then you can take that feeling like with you into a world that seems very unsafe and still feel very much held. And I really love that quality about sitting with them for so long and being in relationship is like the teachings and that reassurance last far beyond the individual experience, which is really what I find makes it a true medicine is that it's endearing truth can be very long lasting when applied to your daily life and that you can have these complete shifts in the personality in just a, in just a few sits in a couple of years. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but like the people that you were before you found these medicines, I'm sure are like vastly different than who we are now. And it's incredible how effective just learning from and applying these things. And I find the same thing with building a relationship and connection with the body and with the womb in particular. And I think mm -hmm. right now we're at this time where this legislation that has kind of come in is saying you can only have this kind of relationship with your body or you can have a relationship with your body up to this point and then we take over. And that enduring yeah. truth that we learn with mushroom or that enduring truth that we have when we have been connecting with our body for a long time, we know that that's not right. And I mean, it's amazing that there's this like outpour of grief and there's this outpour of anger and that's a completely righteous response. And also people are left turning, looking, we need options, we need education because they haven't had that yet. They haven't had that priming to know that womb care and reproductive sovereignty should and can be decentralized that it doesn't have to exist and belong to just one space so that when the resources come out from one spot now it, it affects this giant web of people when we decentralize when we act like these mushrooms and this mycelial web where there's pockets of information spread all over the place then when one pocket closes shit we just move to the next ones and we disperse yeah. and we know and we have these webs and lines to follow so it's amazing because there are tons of webs tons of hubs tons of lines to follow for getting womb sovereignty education and this conversation i pray can be one of those hubs for people because this is not the end of the world there are massive implications but we are being asked to build our own system right now, which it's very, very exciting to be able to do. I think you are certainly um, showing up in the right place at the right time <laughs> right now with, with this, for sure. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. Around that decentralization of wombs and womb care, um, I'm... I'm look. I've been surfing the uh, the internets for for folks talking about herbal contraception and herbal abortion care. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I'm frustrated mm. <laughs> because um, even some of the herbalists that I've trusted for a really long time, they may have been a little bit more aligned with Western medicine in some mm -hmm. ways. For instance, um, like um, Dr. Aviva Rom, who mm -hmm. um, I love, who's a midwife and also a medical doctor and an herbalist and is one of, you know, on the forefront of herbal medicine for bodies who have wombs, um, came out and said the other day, you know, never use herbal medicine for contraception or for uh, abortion care mm. and because it's it's not perfect it's it, it might fail and <laughs> that might that might put you in like a bad medical position mm. um and i'm literally seeing most of the herbalists i follow around around women's medicine saying don't use herbs don't use herbs don't use herbs mm. and what i come back to is like as a lactation professional, I have just seen how when we centralize everything to like the formula industrial complex mm -hmm. 
And that gets by whatever government or capitalist failure mm. torn down. Mm. We are left to fend for ourselves and back to our communities again. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if if the, if all we have are these pills that come from these manufacturers, mm -hmm. then we are still beholden to only that, if that's all we have. Right. Yeah, um, Madison, did you want to maybe chime in before I start? Uh, I start I going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I keep on finding like I'm like, oh, that would be you you're you're both speaking so beautifully on on everything that I'm like have thoughts on different stuff coming on and then then we go to a, a new topic. So I'm I'm trying not to interrupt because it's also um yeah, I'm I'm just listening and <laughs> taking it all all in. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah, um, I see their position. I mean, I see where they're at. There is no certification for herbalism, but but there are stringent models for which herbalists have to function if they want to remain in their professional standing, if they want to continue their product line. I mean, people will stand in a certain place to preserve and defend their position. And so... I see for many mainstream herbalists and herbalists that, you know, also many herbalists and people who are in natural medicine also have, um, you know, a Christian background. You'd be really surprised, like, how many high-key herbalists mm. and herbal companies have um, an ideology that is substantiated by Judeo-Christian and puritanical values. So I also see how a person's belief system arriving to, okay, herbs up to this point or, you know, herbs never used for this application at all. Like, they actually, they can happen together. Um, so a person's beliefs, I know, are in place when people say things like that. And also a person's professional life it can be at risk. And also, given the legislative repercussions of these punishments, which they really are punishments in a, in a, in a, in a kind of domination system, um, people are afraid for their livelihood and their safety and also being seen as an accomplice or a target for being pulled out from being in the node, in the network of herbalists and people who care about reproductive justice. So I see for large, you know, for the most part, it is very saddening but I also see that given there is legal repercussion, I understand why people are pulling back on the abortion education, which it's so it's a double edged sword because we need it more now than ever. And yet there is criminality for being the source mm. of this education. And that yeah. is what's particularly devious about what's going on right now. And even with my work within the mushroom, not using my legal last name or even trying to find ways to cloak like my shipping address and things like that have become increasingly more important because even though I'm living in California, you know, I'm sending medicine to people that are in states where this is now going to be very much more highly, not just criminalized, but like pursued. And that's a completely mm -hmm. different kind of energy. So, um, my feeling is like we need this education more than ever and there are so many helpful plants and also how can an herbalist say don't do it because it isn't a hundred percent effective it's like saying don't breastfeed because it might be hard you know what i mean and i'm yeah. like every single person has such individualized experience as a lactation consultant you know one way of approaching the body, one way of approaching our child is, is not going to work for the next child, but is it not worth pursuing at all? And yes, maybe there is a potential that this doesn't completely follow through and you are left in a medical situation, but the same can be said for hormonal birth control. The same can be said for misoprostol. The same can be said the same for is, surgical yeah. abortion. The same can be said yeah. for, having an, for having a miscarriage on your own. 
I had a you, surgical you abortion and had to go in a second time and was hemorrhaging and there, I mean, it's not like it was per a perfect situation. You, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that when you said that they're not wanting to give the education because it's not perfect, nothing, nothing is perfect. No, Absolutely. and it, and it's it all fails. The the I mean, I know many people who who an early on you know two pill um, mm -hmm. medication abortion d fails um, or makes them really really sick for some mm -hmm. other reason. They're allergic to it. Like I I yeah. know from a birth situation that I'm allergic to misoprostol. So mm -hmm. that would be that would not work for me, right? That would not be a good option for me. So then if I live in a sit if right if I live in a town where I can't get a surgical abortion and I now I'm allergic to the pills for having a, <laughs> a, a medication abortion, what are my options then? You know, yeah. then I, I have to dig a little deeper mm. and you know, they're just going to be, people are going to have their unique bodies, their unique situations yeah. where we need as much information sharing as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Michaela, what, do you, what are some good resources for folks to educate them? Like, what are the ones that you know? I've come across like a couple, but like things that are not going to get the creators in trouble, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, of course, and, and maybe this can get linked in with the show, but just certain platforms that I really support and love. Um, to just mm -hmm. name drop a few of them, I would love to share the work of a dear sister, Samantha Zipaphora. Amazing. She's coming on the podcast. Well, of course, of course, because <laughs> she's the person to talk to about this. Um, she's been a wonderful, yeah, abortion mentor to mm -hmm. me and has even helped me with my own languaging around abortion. So I really appreciate her. Um, I really appreciate the work of Kadis Dache. She runs the womb room. Um, dot co. She's an incredible herbalist, midwife, and educator. Um, a lot of her offerings circulate around educating people to be radically body literate, which I think is a really important piece of this. Um, if yes. you outsource all of your care, right, then like you are reliant upon systems outside of yourself. And so if you bring that education back home and you have radical body literacy, then when things happen externally, you know exactly where you're at and what you need to do. So that's Kadis Dache. I really appreciate her work. Also a sister by the name of Aurora Divine. Um, this person is a black herbalist um, based here in the United States who has a lineage tradition of midwifery and also is now opening a platform called Plant Parenthood, which is around um, reproductive abortion herbs and access. So Excellent. wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, I'd love to send those to you um, as well. Yes. And yeah, there's herbal.abortions as well. She's a great platform too. And um, I don't know if she's supplying, but she's definitely helping people get in the right way of medicine. Um, and also, I can just, like, she's, like, the great-grandmother of abortion, herbs, and contraceptive information. This is where I first started. Her website is still, like, all HTML. But have you all heard of Sister Zeus before? Yes. Ugh. No. Yes. Oh, my gosh. She's old school. Her website is so basic, but, like, <laughs> everything you need. Um, Sister Zeus, I can't speak highly enough about that. Robin Rose Bennett, she was the only person to ever do um, scientific experiment on Queen Anne's lace, wild carrot, mm. Dacus Carotta. I just read about this today, yes. Robin Rose Bennett, yep. She yes. was a very small study, but um, she found really wonderful results among a group of people who followed protocols with Queen Anne's lace, which is what I work with primarily. Um, and I think that just goes to show how you know, certain medicines and certain plants like really speak to us and building relationships mm. with them is, is what's yeah. working. I mean, I know people and I would love to share like just some herbal anecdotes and different herbs to just keep an eye for. Um, but there are people that work and have relationship with like the cohoshes or with blue tansy or with cotton root bark. And they have built the synergy with that plant 
that works and fits for their specific body. We can call it doshas. We can call it constitutions. We can call it a a variety of names. But the truth is, is like that individuated experience with the elements and with the plants that builds a a good synergy in the body. So for me, it's Queen Anne's lace, but for you, it might be something completely different. For me, it might be Tansy because Tansy is tattooed on me. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean Tansy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, some people say like it. It's you need it in a very specific kind of regimen, but you know, it, to each their own personal relationship. And I think that's actually what we're being called to do is right now not just build mm. relationship with abortion herbalists right now because we need them bad but to have long lasting relationships with herbal people and people that have this knowledge and wisdom because yeah sure maybe when the heat is on you just want to extract their resources like oh i need your education right now oh i need your abortion kit right now and it's like well what is that well that is also this kind of like contractual relationship where there's so yeah. much pressure on abortionists herbal abortionists because of the tide but they've been doing this work for a very long time and decentralizing your womb care means building relationship with the people that are also serving in this way and so the big call out is to not just learn about these particular plants for these particular uses just because it's right now but to create lifelong enduring relationships with these plants because many generations from now our progeny will also need this information and education too so i hope that you know this this surge this bubble doesn't pop that it just like remains this kind of like ongoing endearing truth and remembrance that you know, these platforms, these people, these herbalists, I mean, we've been around, we've always been here, these plants have always been here. And this wake them up is good now. But I pray and I know that people need to carry this with them as a part of their understanding of their body and the planet for eternity. This isn't just for right now, the empire has been going on for a long time. And I hope that this empire doesn't last for very much longer because I can't stand this shit, but um, <laughs> we will something be here for a long said, time. Something you said that I read in one of your posts was actually something that keeps coming up um, in some of the the my favorite um, thinkers right now, which is, you know, this empire is like any other empire. It's going to fall. At some point, this might just be that last gasp, you know, of like trying to hold on to whatever is left. And I think, you know, if you just look at what the world looks like, the world has become brown. <laughs> and so this empire is like has has lost what it thinks it wants. Mm. And the last gasp now for this empire of white supremacy is this can i can i take your your womb control from you you know that that's going to go across all the all the colors of people and it just it just seems it does seem like a last gasp grasp mm. to right. me like to that grasp for control and i mm. i'm trying so hard to think positively Mm-hmm. as possible because it's just gonna do me no good to mm-hmm. think negatively and so I've been just concentrating all of my energy on this idea of it of it being this last gasp where mm-hmm. they're just like trying to hold on but it's like the fingernails are like hanging on to the cliff and they're just like mm-hmm. about to get pushed off <laughs> mm-hmm. um and And I, I just, mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be us coming together and sharing and to, and then to go back to entheogens, like we're just going to have to tap a place which is deeper than our, than what we, what we have tapped, which like, if you see this new law comes out, right? Or or lack of law, really, like lack of federal protection. And I think a lot of us thought we'd be in the streets burning shit down. 
and we all just kind of were too tired. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all just like really fucking tired. Right. And so and I don't know if like, any of us are surprised anymore. It's no. like every morning I look at the headlines and it's like, this is freaking devastating, but I'm not surprised anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, yeah, it, it does. It very much feels like the, and it has for a number of years, the tower card mm-hmm. um, of this. Now it's time for it all to come crumbling and for us to build again. I mean, I maybe, maybe something even better than mm-hmm. Roe, ver- Roe versus Wade can yeah. emerge because I have heard that, that it was becoming antiquated and that there were some, that it could have been better and mm-hmm. so maybe something even better can emerge. Mm-hmm. I know that there, there, it, like legally, there is a possibility for for a, a better protection than that, like an actual codified law, which would be much better. But even even with that, like a, a change in regime, and then you you rewrite the law. So it's like if it's all law, then. And I think that's that like brings me back to like where we were in the in the beginning with what Michaela was yeah. saying with, you know, it's like we have to have sovereignty over ourselves aside from the law. Yeah. You know, we can't go like I can't because of the law. There has to be a different relationship there mm-hmm. that is not about looking to those outside governing forces to, to you know, like I, we just don't need to do that. We just don't need to go, oh, no, I can't get an abortion now. I can't take care of my body right. now because they made it illegal. You know, that it just, it can't, it can't no. succumb to that idea that it's all about other people making laws for your body. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Um, there's a great book that has been very much on my heart and has kind of come into, like, my scope of awareness called Caliban and the Witch and it's by I'm reading it right now well there you go it's an Italian <laughs> feminine Marxist um, named Sylvia Frederici and very much talks about like land sequesterment and primitive accumulation in a like a pre-capitalist world and how mm. women's bodies became very much legislated in order to you know through the witch trials and like through witch hunting in order to accumulate the initial capital needed in order to shift from like feudal Europe into capitalism which it's really interesting because everyone is like how did we get here like how did this all begin and she like really traces it to like this particular moment in European history which also Mm -hmm. very much lined up with the conquest and like um colonization of the Americas and also the slave trade happening all around the same time period. So this, as you said, Madison, like when we see these things, it's not surprising. And it's because this legislation may be the final, you know, clause sinking in to hold on to a dying empire, but it's also the continuation of a very long history of the sovereignty and like removing people from land, people from their body and people from their own reproductive agency. And unfortunately in those systems, largely like the citizens were like protected under like a certain kind of like wealth relationship. And right now the way that the regime has kind of encoded all of us to lose a sense of sovereignty is by getting birth certificates, social security numbers, and like creating this dependency system on the empire. Mm -hmm. And so for all of us to say, well, fuck that, I'm going to do some illegal shit. And like, sure, we all have to do that. But in the eyes of this empire, we are subjects of it. And that's what gives it the rights to exact these things. So there is a lot of like 
tug of war in our spirit. I know I'm a human. I know I'm a person. I know I'm being. I know I'm sovereign agent of my own reality and existence. And yet from the moment that we are born, we are signed right up into citizenship. We're signed right up into a giant corporate entity, which now we are basically the employee of, which they stipend money from they stipend money from us all the time. Every year they do. So it's it's really interesting because I know as spiritual agents of this reality, we are sovereign. And yet we are sovereign beings that have been signed up and indoctrinated, like literally in doctrine, like in documents of yeah. in empire system that sees us as little more than what they see us as so this is what entheogens are very helpful with us seeing recognizing and returning to like the essence of our sovereign and spiritual nature to be able to see that we are sovereign agents that are now currently signed up in this system and so yeah Mm -hmm. i'm with you like we know that no matter what happens We need to do what spirit and what the truth of our being is telling us to do because laws are not always signed up with the morality of the universe. They're not signed up and in alignment with what is the good of all of of the land, of the water, of the air. It has very little to do with that. And I even think that this like Christian morality thing as like some kind of basis or foundation for the overturn. It, it has less to do with that, and it has everything to do with capital accumulation, a population crisis that they are perceiving, and also yeah. the desire to extract our bodies for labor, because the more bodies they have, the more power they have, and that's how capitalism gains power and traction and wealth, is by having people in its domain. So if it's able to like coerce people to have children in poverty-stricken environments and environments with low resources, mothers and families that are now crumbling under the weight of poverty. Now we hand off our children to do low-wage jobs. We hand off our children to be in state-funded um, you know, projects. We are an impoverished nation. We are impoverished people that can be very much spiritually broken and taken advantage of. So I see there are many layers to this, but I think the truth and the endearing truth is just to remember that like, this is a, this vessel is more than just in it a tool for production of capital good and service that it is such a beautiful being it is such a natural earthly starly watery vessel that our spirit gets to live inside of and Mm -hmm. we need to remember that part and that part is angry and that part is tired And it's been weathered so much by the empire. But the endearing truth is to pay, if ever we can, less and less attention to what the empire is telling us we need to feel and how we need to respond and turn into the endearing truth of the land and the endearing truth of traditional and indigenous knowledge on this earth. And that's what's going to take us through the empire. As you said, the empires will rise and fall, but what is enduring? What's left? It's the earth. That's what's left. So if we stick there, we're going to be fine. We're going to be good. Absolutely. And, you know, just, just to like keeping bringing ourselves, even though we're inundated with, the news and everything that's going on, like to just keep bringing ourselves back to those plants, whether it's walking amongst them, touching them, hugging them, <clears throat> or, you know, being in communion, partaking of them, thanking them for um, supporting us and helping us as we consume them, um, to just keep coming back to that as much as possible. I had this like, weird thought the other night where I was like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure very much of my life is what I actually want to be doing. And, and, and that came from hearing a recording of some wind blowing um, leaves through trees. And, and I just, I just was like, 
for some reason, that's what I want. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to hear more than everything I've been hearing, you know? So just like to keep There's a lot like- of knowledge in the wind and in the trees and in the <laughs> soil, you know? I, I, I think that that's also one of the beautiful things about the mushrooms is it's so much more than what we see outside of it. But like over and over spirit has told me like, listen to the soil, you know, it's like the soul, it's like the soul of the earth, you know, just if we just put our hands on the soil and listen to it for five minutes a day, I think it would change everything. It would change everything if we developed even a small relationship with the planet that we're on and realize that we're a part of it, that that we're an expression of this universe, just like the mushroom, you know, just, and it's, we forget that. And we don't even have to imbibe it. It's like you touch the soil, you touch the soil, and it's like literally will be, some of it will be absorbed, the mycelium will be absorbed into your skin. And you touch the soil, you bring it, you move around your hands after that, you're literally inhaling mycelium when you do that. You know, it's like, and, and, I've, I've talked with herbalists who are like, yeah, I think what, what all we really need to do is just dig in the soil and then eat and, and sniff up some of that. And like, that's a lot of what we're missing from our gut biomes mm. and all of that, you know? So it's like, if maybe we could just be more healthy and then have more energy to do the work that we need to do in the world if like we were just more, you know, involved and connected with with that soil with the with all all those things the trees and the wind and mm. we're sounding like a bunch of hippies here but and the blood i don't know how much time we have but like i i really have come to understand that the way that we treat and view our body system whether mm-hmm. it's the smell of the hair or the kinkiness of our pubes or the smell of our feet under our like all of that the way we relate to all of that is a direct reflection of the programming in which like we interact with all of life right and you know I put out like my um my menstrual sponges and I've been like looking for sourcing of good menstrual sponges for a long time and finally found like a really nice one and like have been talking a little bit more about them and like there are you know people in the comments that are like well isn't it like super messy because in in the caption i'm like what i love about them is that they're really messy and she you know someone wrote well i i <laughs> is that a misquote like did you mean isn't messy and i'm like nah <laughs> it's messy and i like it <laughs> you know it's messy yeah. and i get to be with my blood like i get to look at it and i get to like experience it and look and smell and like taste and like be with my whole body all parts of it in a sacred and loving and respectful way and if we talk about oh my womb is so sacred oh my god i'm such a divine being oh my god get my muscle blood away from me it's just like (laughs) how do those even exist they can't even exist together like every part has to be and whatever's coming from the womb has to be regarded this way and so um even when you know with with menstrual sponges and abortion i just feel like the relationship of what we have going in and going out needs to be regarded i think what what people forget is like oh you're having an herbal abortion or an abortion you know this isn't somehow a very spiritual experience. I'm like, yo, that is the ultimate sacrifice. Giving your blood to the land, you know, giving your child to the land, like having this interaction. I think that's what's so inviting, actually, what people are really being invited into with herbal abortion and at-home abortion care, because that's like kind of what we're talking about. It's like decentralizing abortion care means people are going to be having abortions and mixed carriages at home. And what does that mean? And how do people want to treat that? And I'm like, bury, you know, have a, have a ritual, have something to acknowledge like the profound exchange that's being made because that is huge. I mean, what are you exchanging when you make, when you make the choice to, to have, to, to release your life is, is the life that you 
that you could have, right? You're like, I need to give this up because I know I cannot provide for this seed because I have this whole other life I need to pay attention to, you know? And like, that is such a exchange that the earth knows what to do with that. Like the earth knows what to do with the blood. There's 300 different proteins in menstrual blood that can only be found there. Nitrogen and trace um, stem cells, all kinds of things. It's so good for the soil. And some people are like, well, if, um, if, if people gave their blood back to the land, then everyone would come back from war. There's like this understanding that returning nourishment to the soil in the form of blood is part of reciprocity system, which then like halts violence in other places in the world. But that mm. reciprocity will happen in one place or another. But menstrual blood is the one place that bloodletting can happen without pain or violence. And I say, why not? Why not like wow. return to that? You know what I mean? It's like the one blood sacrifice. Even in the Judeo-Christian like ideologies, it's like the blood that purifies, the blood of the lamb, like sacrificing the animal, like to cleanse. The blood is used to cleanse. Like I don't know how people forgot about Moses Passover and like putting blood on the edges of the doors to stop the angel of death from coming. Blood mm-hmm. has always been a protector, a cleanser, yeah. and a purifier. And so the same people to say, oh, y'all are a bunch of witches and hella demonic or whatever for working with your menstrual blood. I'm just like, well, look at your own ideologies. You guys praise a man who's literally got his own blood running all over his face and was like in the peak of a violent, you know, uh, uh, martyrdom. And yet like the very blood that's coming from me that births generations and feeds the soil somehow is makes me wrong. So I just want people to remember that you know, the messiness of the blood, even the blood clots, all of it is very important and very sacred. And your special crystal codes, there are iron, there's phosphorus, there's all kinds of electromagnetic and very powerful crystals inside of menstrual blood. And beyond stem cells and beyond protein, it has a unique charge that is uniquely yours. And so working with it, building relationship with it, or having Be, sex with it. Having intimate <laughs> relationship with your body and sex and all of that good stuff with, with menstrual blood. Um, beyond destigmatizing it, because I think this platform is beyond destigmatizing that part, but but enthusiastically like adventuring towards building wonderful bridges and wonderful intimate relationship with blood. I mean yeah, that is above all things. And so, you know, encapsulating blood, capturing blood, you know, I think the mushrooms will also teach us that, as you were saying, the medicine is in the soil, right? Like if the medicine is in the mineral kingdom. I mean, there's so many minerals in menstrual blood. Like, how can we talk about caring about soil, but we can't care about our own blood. So the interrelated network of all of these concepts and ideas, it becomes so obvious once. Yeah, honestly getting off of hormonal birth control was like a giant leap in that direction because when you're on pharmaceutical contraceptives you're not even bleeding the blood of a full cycle because you have no endometrial layer you're actually miscarrying every single month which is crazy you're tricking your body into miscarrying and that grief and that sorrow it becomes like oh it's just a side effect and i'm like your body literally thinks on a chemical level that you are miscarrying your young every month and what an amazing load to take on emotionally so you know that's part of decentralizing womb care as well is recognizing that the way pharmaceuticals even got to us was by experimenting on Puerto Rican women and basically sterilizing people in order to do experimentation. And then that's given to us and marketed to us like it's somehow going to make us competitive in this world and that we're somehow going to be more valuable because we can participate in consumer capitalism without that labor force. It's that labor force. It's like just to be used for labor. So we want to package you up all sterile. Yeah, and, and if you, you don't, don't, don't want to bleed, and at, we shouldn't be bleeding at work. <laughs> no, it would put half of the population like on rest mode. And wow, couldn't we use a little bit of rest? I mean, I know everyone saw what the earth looked like after quarantine. 
and the green and the lush, we had rain. Like what that rest did for us was unbelievably disruptive. It was so good for all of us. And yeah. um, it was so good for the earth, honestly. I think the humans had a really hard time, but the earth had a really, really okay time with that. Um, so all this to say is decentralizing womb care has everything to do with removing our investment from pharmaceutical products which promise and augment the human body especially the endocrine system the hormonal system and the womb and that's scary because especially now what if i have an accident uh-oh it's like the draw towards hormonal birth control is even stronger because hormonal birth control isn't outlawed, just abortion is. And so I think that's a really right. interesting thing that's happening is we're going to outlaw abortion, but contraceptives are going to still be on the market. So there's going to be a little while. There's going to be, we'll see, but there will be like a radical pull towards finding contraceptive. And if that's in pharmaceutical contraceptive, that might not last forever, as you're saying. So what are the alternatives for herbal contraceptive measures? And there are plenty. So those resources I shared with you, I would love to link those in the show Thank notes. You. I do um, a conscious contraception lecture. I have that available on my Instagram. I have yeah, an we'll 18 I have an 18 page spread on like just kind of getting started. I do one-on-one -on -one education consultation and like help with people's particular um, womb care concerns and also womb conditions um, by treating with yoni steam, by working with womb massage and herbal infusions, um, and also just getting people in touch with plants that suit their contraceptive needs. So I'm here as a resource and an ally for this shift that's absolutely occurring. And um, I just want people to remember that the enduring truth is to stick with Pachamama, is to stick with Mother Earth. She is the enduring truth. And no matter what happens on her face, she will stay and we will get booted before her. So stay close to <laughs> land as much as you can. And and remember that we are sovereign agents of transformation and change on the planet. And um, I'm really grateful for this platform and what you've created here today. So thank you for thank having you. me here. Thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. Really, thank you so much for all of this wisdom you've been sharing with Will us. Will you also share with us a link to share with the listeners um, about where to get menstrual sponges? I've been using them for probably 20 years, but it is hard to find like good ethically sourced mm -hmm. and ethically traded product. Yeah. Um, I like the mess of it. They work way better than tampons for me. <laughs> so much better. And now tampons are hard to find. <laughs> Oh, it's the same thing we were talking about before. There's actually a shortage, still a shortage of tampons, just like I've formula. had my cup for about 20 years. I, <laughs> I just still love my cup, but I know it's so I know good. it's not necessarily right from the earth. Uh, sponges were always a little, at least They're years tough. ago, they were very yeah. scratchy. They were a little yeah. scratchy. I just didn't like the scratchiness and the you inside might have for me. Like a, a certain kind of sponge yeah. that was maybe not the right um, species of sponge. Mm. And you have no to problem. have it pretty wet before you put it in sometimes. Yeah. 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 A good soak is good. Um, I'll probably start actually doing some more videos and classes on like just troubleshooting with sponges because there's actually yeah. not a ton of like video content. No, there's, there's nothing. Yeah. You can read, but there's not like a ton of video. Yeah. So I think that'll be nice. I'm a nice so offering excited. for people. Yeah. Yes, um, I, oh, I can't wait for you to do that. <laughs> yeah. So mysticjasper.com is like kind of like my main site. Um, and then if you go to like the shop link on mysticjasper.com, it will take you to like my Shopify and we'll show you like what all the products I have. And also there are some great guides on there, like the conscious contraception guide. There's also like microdosing resources great. and then my entheogenic earth medicine assisted motherhood guide, which is like a 50 page PDF on different plant medicines wow. and their effects and impacts during pregnancy, um, breastfeeding, postpartum. Um, and, you know, I, I do love to speak and educate. That's kind of like my main shit. So also just like hit me up and book like a call or something and we can get you into like, um, like a mentorship if you feel called to like walk this path. Cause I, I feel like having a good teacher can be very helpful and I'm going to start turning 
towards more education because I feel like that's what people really, really need right now. So, um, yeah, thank you. Look me up at yeah, mysticjasper.com, Mama Della Miko on Instagram, and I have lots of stickers and cool swag. So I would also love to send those out to people so that they can share with their friends and get like the good word going that there are so many good options and this is not this rejection is a redirection in a big way. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. We could probably spend a zillion hours with you. <laughs> hey friends, there was no good place for a sponsor advertisement in this amazing podcast episode, but there are three ways that you can support us. One is to make sure that you go to Apple Podcasts and rate our podcast and maybe leave a comment about how much you loved it. And you can support Madison and myself um, in our professional careers. And that would be to support Madison's film series, Submission Possible, which you can watch over at reverie.tv. You can watch on your um, device. You can download the app if you want to watch it on your phone. You can watch it right on your browser. You can watch it on your smart TV. So that is Submission Possible, which is a beautiful, kinky community um, investigative and interviewing um, series that Madison has done on Reverie.tv. And you can support me, Moraya Malat, the sleep witch, uh, by checking out my new infant and toddler sleep course from zero to 15 months, sleep education and attachment supportive and lactation supportive sleep education and create your own sleep improvement plan. That is at thesleepwitch.com. And otherwise, support us by checking back for the next episode of our podcast and listening we love you oh also last thing we are back up putting things on patreon so if you want to check out wash your mouth out podcast on patreon you will find the video content from our more newly recorded podcasts and um, this one had some pretty cool video content You've been listening to Wash Your Mouth Out Podcast. You can find us on the web at washyourmouthoutpodcast.com. Come follow us on Instagram at washyourmouthoutpodcast and on Twitter at mouthoutpodcast.